The Posting Up Podcast is brought to you by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA for the Washington Post, coming to you from New York City once again, where I'm at briefly before a trip back to Washington. And I'm happy to be joined on the podcast today by my buddy, John Krasinski from The Athletic. Uh, what is it? The Athletic Minneapolis? The Athletic Minnesota? What, Minnesota. What is, Minnesota. We appeal to the whole state. We not, not, just, not just one city here. The whole so. state. One of, <laughs> one, of, one of nine trillion friends I have working for The Athletic now. So congrats on the, uh, congrats on the new gig. Um, is it, is it weird? Is it weird now not saying, uh, John Krasinski from the Associated Press? Yeah. Yeah. I, there's been a couple of times I almost said it once in a press conference, you know, how they ask us to say name and affiliation. And one time I, I almost forgot that. And, and I, I, it actually was brought to my attention like a month after I took the job that somebody left me a voicemail and says, Hey, you know, that it still says John Krasinski from the Associated Press on your voicemail, <laughs> right? And I'm like, Oh crap i forgot that so uh so yeah it you know it being someplace for 16 years it takes a little time to 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 learn new habits but so far so good well no it's good i'm, I'm excited for you i i know when i went from the new york post to the washington post i i could just say the post a lot and get away with yeah. it but there were yeah you got it easy there yeah. were definitely times when i would i would forget so i i get it but uh, it's uh it's a cool i'm happy for you man it's you guys are off to a good start so it's good to see but um that you know obviously since you're in Minneapolis the reason to talk to you right now is you know the Wolves you know really look like they had a chance you know I know we talked at the uh at the All-Star game when I saw you we you know we both were pretty confident this team was going to be the third seed in the West and you know have a good chance to win a series and you know break this you know now going on 14 year drought and making the playoffs which you know would be a huge step forward for the franchise and then you know first game back from the All-Star break you know Jimmy Butler goes down the foot initially looked like it would be a you know, a really bad injury it turns out to be, you know, a small tear in his meniscus, which on the, the in the grand scheme of things is, is probably the best news they could hope for. But, you know, as I wrote today, it does probably leave him out for, you know, if not the entirety of the regular season, all but the last game or two. And, you know, I, I think it does at least open up the possibility that, you know, this, this Timberwolves team, which has been horrible whenever he has played, could struggle to now even make the playoffs in a, a really bunched up Western Conference. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, Tim. You look at the the where they're at in the Western Conference. They're right with San Antonio right now. That three seed. I mean, it, it changes by percentage points depending on the day. But uh, I think they're tied in the loss column for the eight seed. And 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 so um, it, it, it's tenuous. Their their hold on not just a home court advantage in the playoffs, but even staying in the playoff race because they come out of the break here and their schedule for the first 10, 11 games was brutal. I mean, they had Houston on Friday night, they beat the bulls on, on Saturday, but now that going down the stretch here in these, these next eight games, it's, it's Sacramento tonight, but then you have, uh, yeah, let, let me, let me read through this schedule. Yeah. Cause it, it is, it is brutal. Cause I, I was looking it up when I was writing, uh, when I was writing my column today. I mean, like you said, they're in Sacramento tonight. 
Um, you know, like you said, they played, they played the Bulls. They, they, the Kings are another team that are tanking. But, I mean, after that, you go to Portland, uh, to Utah on a back-to-back, which is a brutal back-to-back. Then, you know, they've, they've got actually six days off. And then they play at home against Boston. Then they play uh, at home against Golden State. Then it's at Washington, at San Antonio, uh, then home versus Houston, home versus the Clippers. I mean, that is yeah. a, that is a brutal eight-game stretch. And, you know, look, if they survive it, I mean, the weird thing is, something I didn't realize until looking at it um, last night, they've played more games than any team in yes. the league so far. they played 63 games. So, mm-hmm. you know, they could just benefit from being able to almost just run the clock out. Um if they can pick up a couple wins because they do have, you know, three or four, like part of the reason why they're in fourth place and these other teams, like you said, are in seventh or eighth or ninth is because they played three or four more games. So like you said, even though they all have the same number of wins or losses, the Wolves have a few extra wins and those banked wins might end up being the difference. But if they go, you know, if they go two and six in that stretch, you know, which is eminently possible, um, all of a sudden this could get really, really dicey going into the last few weeks of the regular season. Yeah, and and it, the schedule lightens up a little bit after that, but but it's still not great, and 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 they still don't have Jimmy Butler, and so they are going to be fighting and clawing. I I think you know, they probably have to win maybe eight or nine games to to kind of get you know over the stretch to make sure that they get in. But the other thing that you look at now, Tim, is that before Jimmy Butler was hurt, they were you're saying okay, here's a Wolves team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2004. They've really kind of reinvigorated the popularity of the NBA in this community mm-hmm. this season. They had 11 sellouts, so you know, things are things are moving in the right direction. People are starting to expect and believe that that maybe not only they make the playoffs, but maybe they can win a series. Maybe they can really make a little bit of noise here. And now the the expectation has gone to, you know, just hold on for dear life. Just try and get in. <laughs> yeah. And then if you just get in at the seven or eight and you got Houston or Golden State in the first round, you're not going to be sticking around very long. So, they, I mean, they, they're going to try and scratch and claw and do what they can, you know, to see if they can hold maybe even to that four or five range. But um, if, if they're going to do that, it's going to be quite an accomplishment just given all their schedule and who they're missing. Yeah, I mean, you figure, I mean, I hadn't even really thought about trying to peg them to a number of wins, but we 19 games left like you said I mean you probably do have to go I don't know probably 8 and 11 or 9 and 10 right that's kind of what I was thinking probably got to get to at least 45 wins yep so yep you know, if they go two and if they, if they, even if they, if they win tonight and get to 38 wins, if they go two and six in the next eight, all of a sudden you're only at 40 with 10 games to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could get dicey. Now, for as good as the Wolves have been, you know, I think that Jimmy has flown under the radar a little bit, even as an MVP guy. Um, you know, he is playing in Minnesota. There has been obviously all the attention on guys like Harden and Curry and Duran and LeBron. Um, but, you know, you look at the, the, the metrics behind his season and he's had, you know, if not the best season in the league this year, he's been right in the conversation. So as somebody who has seen him uh, up close every day, what, what has made him uh, such a vital piece of what they're doing beyond him, obviously just being a great player. And, and has he, has he delivered on what everybody kind of expected he would, um, you know, when Tibbs, you know, traded Lowry Markinen and Zach Levine and Chris Dunn for him last summer and, uh, you know, brought him up there to kind of change the culture in Minnesota. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that you hit on it in the last part because uh, I think he's exceeded expectations for for what uh, for what you wanted to see coming in because everyone I, I I think believed and knew that he was a great player that he, he could play defense. He's a great shot maker, clutch player, makes those tough shots at the end of games, and 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 also passes the ball and and does a lot of different things to help out on the court. But I, I think undersold or 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 underappreciated was just how effective he can be in changing a culture and in, in right. really in, in kind of injecting an edge and a nastiness and a competitiveness in a young team that is full of you know young guys who are really nice guys. And um, I, I think they needed a bit of an a-hole to, to come in and, and, and really, and, and really kind of set a different tone. And, yep. and that's what Jimmy Butler's done. I mean, he's been incredible in the locker room. You know, I know that he uh, ruffled some feathers in Chicago with some of the young guys and the way that he tried to lead there. But I really think that he, he tried to take a different approach with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and, and these guys in the way that he shows them the way. And um, he, he, he is the dominant guy. You walk into that locker room and he's the one holding court. He's the one that's joking and laughing. And he's the one that's also after losses, really bringing some intensity and, and, and some passion to, to that group. And so um, he, he's really brought it all. And, and I've always thought, you know, I, I think clearly James Harden is the runaway favorite for the MVP and for sure. So for sure. But, but, but I, I don't think enough people have been talking about Jimmy Butler for all of the things that he's brought here to this group to change a franchise that has lost and lost and lost for years and years and years and really turn them into an upper echelon Western conference team. When I think he got hurt by the way he started the year and it's not that he, um, it's not that right. he was bad, but he, he really took a back seat. I give him a lot of credit because he came in yep. and he was, you know, he was kind of letting the other guys get some shots up and he wasn't really worried about his stats. And he was only averaging like 13, 14 points, I think a game, maybe through the first month. And, you know, his stats were a little off and it didn't, he didn't, he wasn't having the same kind of like box score impact that he did in the past. But, you know, I haven't looked at the, the I actually am going to look it up now while I'm talking, but um, you know, the, the per month splits for him have to be out of control because he's now, yeah. he's now up to 22, five and five. And, you know, basically is that the same numbers he's always been? Let's see here. Um, yeah. I mean, he went from 16 a game, 16, five and four in, in October, 18, five and four and a half in November to 26, five and five in de- December, 22, five and five and a half, five and a half in January and 25, five and a, almost six and five in February. So yeah, I mean, he really just really took off. Right. And, and, and like you said too, Tim, like you know, there were some people I think who didn't watch the games in November and thought, Oh, he's struggling. He's not playing well, but I, I really do know that it was a conscious effort on his part to kind of defer to the young guys early because he didn't want to have the perception of being the star that comes in and dominates the show right, right. away. I mean, you know, Wiggins has been here four years. Towns has been here three years. You, you have guys that were wondering, you know, is he just going to come in here and just grab this thing by the throat and, and control it? And that's not what he did. He wanted to get Towns comfortable. He wanted to get Wiggins comfortable. Right. He wanted to let them know that, hey, this is your team as much as it is mine. And I'm going to take over when needs to be done, but we're all in this together. And so I, I thought it was a great approach by him early because they still were winning games when, when he was doing that. And then when they struggled a little bit, that's when he started to kick it into gear and take be more assertive offensively. And, 
and that and that's kind of kept going. But it really did help establish a connection with his teammates that really was, you know, may may not have been there with some of the young guys in Chicago. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I, and I do think that that, you know, it's because it's easy, you know, especially in, in something like the MVP race where, you know, first impressions tend to stick with people for a while, then they have to change it. You know, people, you know, I think it took people a while to realize the kind of impact he was having overall. Um, you know, if he was averaging 22, five and five the whole time, he probably would have been in the top yeah. five from the beginning. But, you know, the fact he's averaging 16 and then went up to 26, um, you know, I, I think that changed it. But let, let's shift ahead a little bit. You know, with Jimmy out, you know, the, the real interesting thing is going to be, you know, as we said at the beginning, can these guys survive? And that's really going to come down to, you know, Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins doing something they have never done, which is win games when Jimmy Butler isn't on their team. And, you know, we have to remember the reason the Tibbs went out and made this trade in the first place was because this team last year was supposed to take a big step. Uh, some people thought it'd be a bigger step than others. And, uh, <laughs> who, who might that have been? That, that would be me. I'm happy to say that. And, uh, and, it, and they fell flat on their faces. And, yep. um, you know, so, so, you know, and really the numbers this year kind of back up the fact that they've been awesome when Jimmy's been on the court and they've been pretty dreadful when he's been on the bench. I mean, basically the difference between being the Raptors or the Bulls. Um, which is a pretty massive change. So from as you, from your standpoint, what are you looking for from Andrew and from Carl over the next couple of weeks here, particularly in this rough part of the schedule, to see you know how they respond in, in this situation to, to prove they can, they can hold up here and, and produce some results? Yeah, I think that Towns will probably be pretty similar to what we've seen from him for a lot of the year because he's been the clear-cut number two option for most of the season. Maybe not in the fourth quarters where his usage drops a little bit, but um, for, for but in general, I think you're still going to see he, he, he was an all-star. You're still going to see 22 and 10 and you know three assists and, and really efficient and playing. Maybe that creeps up to 24, 25 and 10 and, 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 and he gets a few more shots uh, than he did normally, but um, I think Wiggins is the one that has to make the dramatic jump. And uh, uh, in the four games that Butler missed in January, uh, he did that. He he went from the number three option, leapfrog Towns to the number one, because in Tibbs' offense, it really kind of revolves around a dynamic wing player who can get to the basket and kind of uh, create mismatches and, and hit contested jumpers. Um, so uh, Wiggins in, in those games in, in January averaged like 26 points, uh, five rebounds, four point, or three, uh, three assists, shot 50% from the field, got more, more shots. And, and so um, he's going to have to do that again. And he, he's going to make $150 million uh, uh, in five years starting next year. He's been slightly, you know, a little disappointing in terms of the way that, you know, people keep waiting for him to really jump up and emerge as this dynamic player. And I think he's struggled this year in that third option. I mean, he, he's definitely gone through the, the struggles that Kevin Love did with Cleveland, that Chris Bosh did in Miami, that trying to figure out how you be effective when you don't have the ball in your hands all the time. And so now he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more, and he's going to have to play a lot better and a lot more consistently on energy and effort-wise. And the other guy that's going to, I think, really going to need to jump up is Jeff Teague. Uh, Teague was another guy who, as the fourth option and as a previously as a ball-dominant point guard, um, he struggled to, to try and understand when to get others involved and when to just float to the corner and, and knock down threes. Now he's going to be more involved. Uh, he's going to be initiating the offense more. Uh, game against Chicago, 25-7-7. Seven and seven. That's 
you know, that they're probably going to see a little bit more from him as well. So if they are going to somehow keep their head above water and stay in this race and make it interesting down the stretch, you're going to have to get a ton more from Andrew Wiggins and you're going to have to get a lot more from Jeff Teague to, to mitigate what you're losing offensively from Jimmy Butler. Just you know, let's not even talk about the defense, which has been a disaster all year. And, and now you lose your best defender. Yeah. I want to get to the defense in a second, but the Wiggins thing is fascinating to me. I mean, you mentioned the max contract he's going to, he got in October that starts next season. Um, he's currently 249th in real plus minus, and I'm not necessarily hundred percent sold on that stat, but uh, it is a, it is at least a decent approximation of guy's value. And, you know, Carl Towns, I think is 16th. Jimmy Butler is third. Uh, those guys are right about where you'd expect. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is 249th between Pat, Con- Pat Connaughton with the Blazers <laughs> and Ish Smith with the Pistons, both backup guards. One guy is going to make $6 million, the other is going to make the minimum. So, uh, you know, I, 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 that does kind of underscore his, the state of his game because he, he is – I, in my opinion, you know, I, I called him the earlier this year the new Rudy Gay, and I, I think mm. he's just the most divisive player in the league. You talk to some people in the league, and they think the guy is going to develop still into a true superstar, multi-time all-star player. You talk to other people in the league, and they think he's just a complete bum that isn't that it isn't worth having on your team, and that the Wolves trade him, you know, as soon as they can and get value back for him because he's not any good. Um, you know, where I guess. You know, I I think the truth is probably somewhere in between, like it usually is. But where, as again, as somebody who sees him all the time, where do you see the state of his game? And um, you know, wh- what do you you know? You mentioned that he struggled some this year, kind of adjusting that third spot option role, which I would agree with. Um, where where do you think he is overall in his development in terms of you know maybe where the Wolves thought he would be when they traded for him? Yeah, I think um, when you when you look at it, he he gets hammered here locally, um, and and part of it is the big contract, but part of it is is that he is got this disposition that you know, he's not Kobe Bryant. You know, he doesn't come out and say, "I'm going to dominate you," and and this he's game very means quiet. the world to me. He's, he's very, very quiet. quiet. He's a very kind of he carries himself as kind of too cool for school, and and so people wonder if he has the intensity that it takes to be a, an all-star caliber player. I think that's a little unfair. I, I, I think that he gets probably criticized here locally a little more than he deserves because in watching him play this year, he's get, he does more of the hustle plays. He, he, he rebounds a little better. He defends definitely better than he did in his first three years combined, no question. So I've seen steps in the right direction for him that way that 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 lead me to believe that maybe the narrative can change over time here with him a little bit but there's no question that he still has a long way to go if he is going to be an all-star I mean he does want that he wants to be a he wants that validation he wants to be viewed as one of the best players in the league or at least as an all-star caliber player and he just isn't yet and and so you know part of that is on him like he has to give more consistent effort and energy on a nightly basis. There are nights where too far, too many of them, where he's just kind of a ghost. He just kind of floats out there, and you don't really notice him. And 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 so he's got to be more assertive and aggressive if he's going to do that. The, the other thing that has been kind of troubling this season is, you know, last year he took a huge jump in three point shooting from thirty percent to thirty five percent, and that gave people kind of the the feeling that okay if he continues to work on that part of his game he can become 37 38% three point shooter and and 
and become a bit of a weapon out there, which he's going to need to be on a team that doesn't have that many shooters to space the floor. But he has not shot the ball well from three most of the year. And and he's also really taken a dip in his free throw shooting, which has also led to a, a, a fewer attempts at the free throw line as well. And And so in those areas, he's taken steps back that are concerning that he needs to kind of get, you know, stop that slide and turn it around. Uh, if he is going to emerge into the all-star player that he wants to be and that the Wolves need him to be. Um, so I'm not, I'm not ready to say that he's bum. And, and I do believe that if they tried to trade him this summer, they'd have a hard time doing it and getting some sort of equal value back with, with that contract and with the production we've seen so far. But I also think that he still is only 22, 23, and um, there's still a lot of growth to be had in his game. If they can reach it, there's potential there, but uh, it's you know it, there, there's a lot of work to be done. Do you think he is on the team two years from now? That's a great question. Um, I think that I, I I think that he's going to have a hard. I think the Wolves will have a hard time trading him. I mean, you tell me, Tim, but you know, this guy's starting a five-year, hundred fifty million dollar deal, and you know you, you're right. I, real plus minus has its faults, but if you're two forty nine. In this day and age where salary cap room is harder and harder to come by, are there going to be a lot of teams that step their, put their necks out on the line and try and take on a, a contract like that at this production level? I think you know, if he does take a surge, he would increase the people who would come after him. But right now, I don't know that there's a whole lot of a market for Andrew Wiggins at this point. I think I think if Jimmy Butler stays there long term, he, he gets traded. And I, I think, um, like I said, I, I, I'm with you. I think that the the likelihood of him getting to that ceiling, while I think it is there, and I know some people don't, um, I also think the chances of it are slim. Uh, but I also think that because, like you said, he turns, you know, he turned twenty three oh, less than a week ago. His birthday was, I guess, Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so he turned twenty three on Friday. So you got that guy from you know twenty three to twenty seven on that deal, right? So yep. I think that you know in a league where nobody has wing players, I, I could definitely see some teams saying, hey, you know, we can get this guy in our system and we can really turn him into somebody. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, Rudy Gay got traded two or three times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Yeah, the- there's yeah, there's always someone that says, uh, we can do something that, that they couldn't, right? Well, so and he looks and he looks the part in every way. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's an athlete. He's he's a long, athletic guy on the wing in a, in a league where nobody has wings. Um, you, know, there, you know, there's a reason he went first overall in the first place. I mean, he's, a, he's an intriguing player. The, the, the thing that fascinates me about him is that he was a guy who came in the NBA and was supposed to be a guy that really excelled in the floor game but was not going to be an assertive scorer. I mean, because of, the like you mentioned, like everybody knew he's kind of had a – you know, a bit of a, a quiet personality. He was, you know, he's on the same college team as Joel Embiid, who even back then people knew had a big personality and Andrew really didn't. And, um, you know, people thought he'd be, you know, a guy who was, you know, a great defensive player, would get steals, would get rebounds, would do fill up the stat sheet and maybe not become, you know, an assertive scoring type. And ironically, he's become the opposite. A guy yeah. who, you know, really became a really good scorer on the wing. But, you know, like you said, there's times when you watch the film and he'll just be flat-footed standing there watching somebody get a rebound in front of him mm-hmm. and and stuff like that that you just don't expect. It, that's that's always been the thing that's kind of intrigued me the most about him is that he, you know, this is in this case, like what people thought he might turn into turned out to be the 180-degree opposite of what he actually is.
If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postup newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash postup newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, that's, it's a great point because he, he he's an upper echelon scorer in this league. I mean, he can put 30 on you in, in, in a heartbeat if he's engaged. I mean, uh, in, 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 uh, in January, when first game that Jimmy Butler was out, he goes, uh, they go to Los Angeles and he drops 40 on the Clippers. I mean, he right. can do that. Like, yep. He has that ability. He can get his own shot whenever he wants it. And the, what was really good about him in the first three years of his career was he invited contact and he got to the line a ton, which kind of mitigated his poor shooting from three. But this year, his, his, his free throw numbers have fallen so, so, so far because he just um, he, he's been more passive. Uh, in terms of of playing uh, on the ball, in terms of when the ball is in his hands, and then he doesn't shoot very well from free from the free throw line, which has hurt things a little bit. But there is no question that I mean he he's been scoring twenty points a game since he came into the league, which is not the easiest thing to do, even on a bad team. So um, so he he has that ability, and there are nights when he is locked in, usually when he's playing either Cleveland or Toronto or he's out in LA yeah. uh, and he wants to put on a show that you say, man, nobody can handle this guy. Like he, like he just has too much for anybody. And when that three point shot has fallen, I mean, look out. It's just that he needs the consistency and he needs to th- take this thing seriously enough that it, that night in and night out, he can bring that to the table and, and it just hasn't been there yet. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. I mean, he's one of the more fascinating guys in the league. And, and this is, you know, to me, even more than Towns. I mean, this this next three weeks is really about him and what yep. what he can do. Because you know, I, beyond the fact he's a similar size and plays the same kind of position as Jimmy. I mean, they need you know, like you said, Towns is probably going to do the same stuff he's been doing, maybe score a little more. But you know, they really need Wiggins to step up and play a lot better if they're going to be able to survive this stretch. Now, you mentioned the the defense, which remains terrible. They're twenty fifth in the NBA in defense. Um, Tom Thibodeau, you know, really kind of revolutionized the way the league played defense. Uh, as an assistant coach, and you know, it, it, I the reason I was so high on them last year was because I thought he was going to come in and really improve their defense and make them into a much better defensive team. And that that is the thing that has kind of stunned me about the Wolves the last year and a half is that they just don't guard anybody. Um, and and so from your standpoint, what what has been the reason that this team, which has you know a bunch of guys that should be pretty good defensive players, has just not been able to stop anybody since? Yeah, every. There? Everybody has. It's been crazy how how dumbfounded everyone is around here about why it hasn't sunk in yet. Because uh, it, much like Andrew Wiggins, the irony of the Wolves is they are terrible defensively with this defensive mastermind at his coach. But they're number three in the league in offensive efficiency, right yep. behind Houston and Golden State. I mean, they're great. They are great offensively, even though they get their points different ways than the Warriors and Rockets do. I mean, they score in bunches and. And, and so it's been the exact opposite of what you expect from a Tibbs team, especially a Tibbs team 
with Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson on it. I mean, you thought that this was going to be a brass knuckle fight you kind of maybe a little bit lower scoring, but win those, those, those wrestling match types of type of a team. And, and they haven't been that way. Um, you, they, they get beat in transition a lot. They, they give up a lot of three pointers. They, they really struggle. Uh, they just don't look connected out there. And it's been that way all year. The, the, tr- the most troubling thing about it, Tim, is that they're not getting better as the season has gone on. They're actually right. getting worse. Over the last 15 games, right before the All-Star break, they're 29th in defensive efficiency. So, Jeez. I mean, and, and that's with Jimmy Butler on the court. And so you, you see a team that it, that is last in three-pointers made, but also is, I think, 22nd or 23rd in three-pointers allowed. And so they don't close out to the line. They don't get back in transition. And, I mean, they just... Tom Thibodeau, for all of his genius on that end and all of his preparation that he puts in and and the guys that he's brought in to better fit his system, it just hasn't resonated yet. And 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 nobody really seems to have a good answer why that is. And that's, I think, the most concerning thing is is that they've tried a, a few different things and it nothing seems to work so far. So what do you think the reason is? Well, I, you know, it, it could be, you know, some people have asked me, is Tibbs system outdated? Because, you know, that, that came, it came into vogue before the three point revolution really kind of changed the game. And I don't, I don't know if that's it. Um, because, you know, I think personally, I think watching Towns in the first month of his season, he was a disaster defensively, no question about it. Um, but really starting in December and going forward, he's been a, a net plus, I think, as a defensive player. I think Jimmy Butler obviously is a net plus. Taj Gibson is a very good defender. But I, I, I think right now, you know, Wiggins has, has taken some strides, but Wiggins and Jeff Teague have both really, really struggled defensively. And they, they, they struggle to contain penetration. They struggle um, to, to guard on the perimeter and, and, and keep three-pointers from, from closing. They get crushed on corner threes for, off of penetration. I mean, it happens game in and game out. And so um, they just have had a hard time adjusting to it. And what you hear from Tibbs on a nightly basis is the two things he looks at if things are not going well is, are they doing it hard enough? And are they committed to the scheme and, and executing properly? And right before the All-Star break, he said he thought that the problem was they weren't executing properly. And so uh, there, it, it seems like it's kind of battle of wills right now. And and it just, I mean, they're not, they're not doing what Tibbs wants them to do. And I don't know that some of the guys actually truly believe that what Tibbs is telling them is, is going to work actually does work. Yeah, I mean that 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 is that is obviously not a great uh, that is obviously not a great combination. <laughs> not not a great one, no. Um, you know, I I don't think that I personally don't think that his system is outdated. Um, no, I yeah, I don't I don't think so either, Tim. I'm not I'm not sure about that yet either. I mean, I'm not an X's and O's guru, right? But um, but what what can be said definitively is that whatever message that Tibbs is 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 giving them. And it, it's not sinking in and it didn't right. sink in last year. And the, the idea was you bring in Jimmy and Taj to help kind of interpret that message and, and, and help kind of drive it home and maybe even speak it in a different language if that's what it takes to resonate with players. But it, it, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked this year either. And um, and, and that that to me is 
is the troubling factor is that you'd like to even see modest improvement as the season has gone on and it's only gotten worse and worse. And that's, that's, that's the real issue. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, I think when, when you look at where they're at right now, I mean, again, you said, uh, you said they were, um, I mean, I mean, you, you said it best. So like it, they're third in offensive efficiency right now with Jimmy Butler. I mean, that, that is going to get worse without him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if the defense doesn't get better, you know, that that's when you are have a real chance of being in a lot of trouble. Um, you know who they are right now, Tim? They're, they're the Denver Nuggets right now. Um, you know, without Jimmy, they are this high-scoring team with this versatile post player who can pass and score from different angles. And that that's going to have to just try and try and outscore people. I mean, uh, you know, they're going to have to win games one twenty five to one twenty here for these next. And the problem, four, like, five, and, six and weeks, like you and said, the tough. problem, the, and like you said, the problem with that for them is that they don't shoot threes. Right. Yep. That's that's right. I so mean, even though they're a great well, offense, they have to yep. they have to work a lot harder to get to one hundred twenty five points than most teams do. Exactly. When when they play Houston, when they play Golden State, when they play Portland, teams that shoot a ton of threes, you can just see the gap. I mean, it, it the math adds up as the game goes along. I mean, you know, unless you know, unless they're getting to the line uh, an inordinate amount, I, they, they they really can't stay with them. I mean, Houston is like the nightmare matchup for them because not only do the Rockets shoot a ton of threes and make a ton of threes but they also get to the line even more than the wolves do i think the wolves are like fifth the rockets are first or second so um you know that combination is almost unbeatable for them and 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 so that's the problem that they run into when they face kind of some of these teams that just want to jack because if they're if they're hitting they're, they're usually not providing a whole lot of resistance at the perimeter so other teams are hitting those threes and then they can't make them on the other end that's that that that's that's just it's a math problem yeah no it's 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 a math problem that that doesn't have a clear solution for them especially without especially without jimmy um just i guess just in general a year and a half into the tibbs uh era in in minnesota what what is kind of your general takeaway from it well i mean look it's hard to argue the results right because i mean while jimmy was healthy they're 37 and 26 they're going for the three seed and this is a franchise that has been an afterthought or or worse for uh, more than a decade and and so from a pure wins and losses standpoint it has been a success and if they even even if they get to the playoffs this year and just get there that's a successful season for the Timberwolves because of um you know just because of all of the the struggles they've had historically and so he's getting production where there wasn't production before uh, that said it will be you know, what it's going to be interesting to see how sustainable this is going forward because you know, he he made these moves to bring the guys in the more veteran talent to to get older to get more experienced um, to and and so the window is actually opening quicker now, and and so they're going to have to get through it. I mean, starting next season, just getting to the playoffs is not going to be uh, enough for this team. I mean, they're going to have to vault really high into into contention to kind of justify the expenditures that they're making and 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 all of these different things. And so um, I think the jury honestly is still out on Tibbs in terms of how this is going to play in the long term. In the short term, he has definitely boosted a team that needed 
that needed a boost. And, and so now it's, it's a matter of, can that be sustained and built upon going forward? And I don't know that there is a clear answer just yet on, on how that's going to play out. Well, and, and it also is interesting too, because, you know, Glenn Taylor, who, you know, bizarrely talks probably more than just about any owner other than Mark Cuban in the media, even though yeah. nobody really pays attention to him uh, because it is Minnesota. Uh, you know, everybody just assumed that Derek Rose is going to go to the Wolves uh, when he, when he was traded at the deadline by the Cavs. And then, you know, he, he talked to Sid Hartman the other day uh, over the all-star break. So it kind of slipped through the cracks, I think with people and uh, just basically said, yeah, we're not going to sign Derek Rose, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, normally would be kind of a weird thing for the owner of a team to say, but it especially seems weird for the owner of a team to say when his coach is a guy who is a huge fan of Derrick Rose and everybody assumed was going to sign Derrick Rose and now still has not signed Derrick Rose. Uh, you know, it, 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 you know, it's just, it's just something to monitor uh, there to see what's going on. Because, you know, again, if you, you bring in somebody and give them a bunch of money to run your team and your and coach your team, you would think you'd just defer to them. Uh, in situations like that, instead of coming out in the media and pronouncing that you're not going to sign a guy, he might want to sign. Yeah, it, it, it's been a it's been a culture clash for sure, or a culture adjustment, Tim. Because you know, before before Tibbs, there was Flip, who was this very outgoing, very accessible politician in a in a coach's suit, right? I mean, yes. he he knew how to work a crowd. He knew how to um, relate to Glenn who is always kind of more old school and wants a personal relationship with the people that he works with. Uh, he knew how to work agents. He knew how to work the business side of, of the franchise. And he was really invested and, and active in all of these things. Tibbs is, is all business <laughs> yeah. robot. I don't want to deal with the business side of the operation. I just, whatever it takes for us to win right. these games, that's all I'm concerned about. And, right. You couldn't find, so, you know, I, I like both guys. Yeah. personally you know tibbs tibbs i don't have the same relationship with tibbs i did with flip but I, I find tibbs very amusing uh but um but yeah you couldn't find two more polar opposite people than than flip yeah. and tibbs and so yeah so i think that's taken some getting used to and and I, I i don't think tibbs has necessarily done himself some favors in that regard and just being so kind of iron curtain and 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 not recognizing kind of you know, what what he was walking into now to his credit he's got to be who he is he can't fake being this this uh this happy-go-lucky guy and, right and that that wouldn't come off as genuine but um but he has been very just laser focused uh kind of blinders on toward just the basketball and it doesn't always kind of sit well I think or or it's not easy to kind of ingratiate yourself in a new organization when you go about it that way um and so if you want equity if you want kind of the trust and 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 the responsibility of doing things the exact way you want to do it I some at some point you do have to work with the people that have put you there and kind of explain and understand and have a dialogue. Um, and, and, and it can't just be, I want to do this. So we're doing this. That's just not the way it works in this franchise. And so I think that that has kind of created a little bit of, you know, kind of not friction, but just it, it's taken some time for them to get used to working together. And, and so that's why sometimes you see these, you know, conflicts or, or different, uh, opinions rise up and, and, and things don't get done. Maybe that Tibbs wants, or maybe some things don't get done that Glenn wants. I mean, there, there's a little bit of give and take that has to happen here. 
and that doesn't always happen. Does it surprise you that he hasn't uh, changed more after his time away? Not that we, not that he was going to ever turn into Mike D'Antoni or yeah. Steve Kerr, but um, that he hasn't been a little more open uh, with people in Minnesota than he was in Chicago. Or do you think just that, just given the way he is, it just that was never really going to happen? Well, I, you know, I, I didn't know him personally before he got here. I mean, I certainly talked to him and stuff before, right. but I didn't have a good feel. But I, when he, I know when he came here and he took the job, he did say, look, hey, I spent this last year away. I went to Golden State. I went to Sacramento. I went to San Antonio. I really observed how other people did it. Well, hopefully he didn't go to he Sacramento. Did, well, he, he, he went <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, it, but <laughs> just, just kind of looking at different things. But <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he, he, he did say publicly that I learned a lot. I, I kind of I, I tried to take as much information as I could. And, 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 and so the impression was that he was coming in and that he was going to change a few things that, you know, hey, you know, uh, for as successful as he was in Chicago, clearly it ended poorly. So some things had to be different, both from the Bulls side and from Tibbs side. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that people in Minnesota expected him to be a little bit different, to make a few changes, to be a little more open, to be a little more accessible, um, to 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 kind of look at things in in a different light a little bit. Not yeah, like you said, not not become pop or you know Steve Kerr and take the team bowling instead of going to practice, but but be open to different ways of doing things because that was one of the the reasons that it didn't work in Chicago, and it hasn't been that way. It's been the Tibbs from Chicago. And so um, I think that's been, uh, that has been a little bit surprising. It's same with Scott Layden as the GM. I mean, he got run out of New York in part because he would never communicate his kind of vision and his plans in a public way. And, and so no one ever knew what he was doing and no one ever knew what he was thinking and could never give him the benefit of the doubt here. He never talks like there, there's never any kind of accessibility with the media or with fans or with anybody else. And so he doesn't have the benefit of the doubt that, that whatever they're planning on is, is, is going to work out or, or if something didn't happen, he, he doesn't give any explanations as to why. And so we're all left to speculate. And so, you know, when, when these guys get fired from high profile positions, you do hope that there's some introspection and that, that they do look at things and, and try and change things. And, and I don't know that either one of those guys have, I, the one thing that Tibbs has done to his credit is he doesn't practice very much at all right now because he plays these guys big minutes. And I think he understands kind of the wear and tear on the body a little bit differently than he did in Chicago. But from a macro level, both both Tibbs and Scott Layden have are the exact same guys that they were that 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 lost their previous jobs. And and so that that you know that's 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 surprising to me, I would say. Yes. Yeah, no, it it's 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 made for a fascinating situation. It will be very uh It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. One final question then. What do you, what do you think the outcome is here? You know, I, I still, I, I don't think the bottom's going to fall out here. Um, I, I don't see them just completely falling off the edge of the cliff and not making the playoffs and, and plummeting. Um, I think they're going to hang in it. Um, I think they can win enough down the stretch 
before Jimmy gets in, it gets back to to get into the playoffs and 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 to bring that back to Target Center for the first time since 04. But I, I I do think that even when Jimmy comes back, he'll probably be working off some rust and stuff. So I think the ceiling on this team is probably more of a one series playoff run than whereas before you thought, hey, this is a team that could get in and win a series and and and, and really kind of. Um, do some damage in the playoffs. So uh, I, I think that's where we're going. That's just that's just the feeling that I get. I think they're going to find a way to get there, maybe win a game or two against Golden State or Houston, and and then go into the offseason with some with some important questions and 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 things to address. It, it's a very un Minnesota like thing for you to do to assume that they're the bottom isn't going to fall out. <laughs> You're uh, right. For the You're right. That, that and you can tell by my accent. I'm I'm born and raised here, so I <laughs> I should be smarter and and should know better than that. But uh, I I guess I'm a little too glass half full at this point. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it it certainly would be nice to see that that streak end, and uh, you know, it would be a shame if. You know, I, I think, you know, to your point, I think they, they really were having a really good season. And it would be a shame if if this ends up derailing that uh, and preventing them from from being an interesting team here uh, in, in the playoffs, because I thought they had a chance to, to win a round or two and really, you know, make things interesting. And if you know, if they do fall apart without Jimmy, it'd be a shame. But I appreciate you stopping by, man. Thanks for doing so. Before you go, uh, let people know. Uh, where they can find you everywhere and, and what you guys have cooking at the uh, the Athletic Minnesota. Yep, at The Athletic, theathletic.com. If you want Minnesota-centric uh, stuff, you go to theathletic.com backslash MN, and it will take you right to our page. You can subscribe there, uh, $3 or $4 a month, depending on, on the discount you get for not only us in, in Minnesota, Wild Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves, but nationwide you got the, the Warriors, coverage in Golden State. You got Cleveland coverage. You got Raptors coverage. We got great stuff. We just hired Mike Scotto to cover the Nets. We got, um, you know, college football, college basketball, just Stuart Mandel, Seth Davis, Ken Rosenthal, tons of great content all the time. Um, you just you, too much to read, frankly. So um, stop by and, and hopefully give us a try right now. There's, I think, a seven day free trial and and then a 30 percent off discount and I think that's three seventy nine a month or something like that to, to to give us a whirl. So stop by theathletic.com and uh, and and give us a chance. I think uh, I think you won't be disappointed. Well, there you go. Listen to that. Full, How about that? Uh, full, I got it down now. I got the pitch down. <laughs> full full sales pitch. I like that. Yep. But um, all right, John. Thanks for doing this, man. And I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Tim. I appreciate it. Thanks again to John for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Go check out his work as long as well as everybody else at The Athletic. I have a lot of friends there, really excited for what they're doing and wishing them all the best. So definitely go support them. It's more than worth the, the subscription. I have one. I think anybody who's a sports fan should have one as well. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bonteps. You can find me on Facebook at Tim Bonteps NBA. Find me in the pages of The Washington Post or on our website at WashingtonPost.com sports. Thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Go find their music wherever you can get it online. And uh, and pick that up. They, they've they've been a you know you know people have liked their music from the beginning of the podcast and, and wanted to find it. So go check them out and go go find their stuff and support them. Uh, you can please go uh, give us a five star rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. Go to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Radio Public, Google Play, Tune In, wherever you get the podcast, and give us a five star rating and review. It really helps. So thank you in advance for that. 
Um, thanks again, uh, once again, to John for coming on. That was a fun conversation about a really interesting team in the league right now. And fascinated to see where the Wolves go here down the stretch. But, uh, you know, with that, we'll leave it here. We'll be back again later this week with at least one more podcast, hopefully two, but, you know, definitely one. But in the meantime, thanks as always for listening, and we'll talk to you all again soon.